communities are not new, right? Yeah. In any shape of the form, um, whether it's in your local community, in your neighborhood, at work, uh, ERGs have been around since 1970. I mean, communities are not, are not new, but I'm really passionate about a space where people can come together that have some sort of common identity in whatever shape or form that might be. Um, and I think with last year being a really challenging year in so many ways, this ability to connect um, and to engage and to feel like you have a space was really supported by community. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Perhaps one of my most favorite topics, if not the most favorite one, is everything that has to do with communities, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do with Hacking HR, building this global community of HR leaders and practitioners getting together to collaborate, lift each other up, learn, and hopefully become the trailblazers leading the way towards the future of work. So this topic of communities is very powerful and dear and close to my heart. And whenever I find somebody who is equally passionate about chatting about communities, I get really, really excited because, well, I know a lot of people are excited about it, but, you know, when you get together with somebody who is so passionate about the same topic, it's, it's really uplifting. So today, I'm going to be chatting with somebody who is an award-winning HR executive in companies such as Chevron and Shell. She's been the CHRO at different startups in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, VP of HR at SAP Now. So we are going to have a great conversation about communities with Bianca. Bianca, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm doing great. Thank you for allowing me to be with you today. Well, thank you so much for being in the show and, and you know, sharing with our audience your insights and for being so generous with your time, which, uh, you know, not only in the podcast, but also in the conference, which, by the way, it's kind of the foundation of being part of a community, right? Being selfless and, and generously coming to learn from others, but also give back, right? Whatever it is. Absolutely. I mean, I think what the work that you've done to pull all of, us, all of us together is part of what I want to talk about today. Thank you for creating a space where people can share and be safe and connect and learn. I mean, that's so critical. So. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you something, Bianca. What, what, why are you so drawn to this idea of communities? What's why? You know, it's funny because communities are not new, right? Yeah. In any shape of the form, um, whether it's in your local community, your neighborhood, at work, uh, ERGs have been around since 1970. I mean, communities are not, are not new, but I'm really passionate about a space where people can come together that have some sort of common identity in whatever shape or form that might be. Um, and I think with last year being a really challenging year in so many ways, this ability to connect um, and to engage and to feel like you have a space was really supported by community and people really pivoted how what community meant how they give to the communities around them and also how they take from the communities around them which i want to talk about today yeah so, um, i'm just inspired about it yeah yeah absolutely and and you know one thing that i have observed is that you know we have all this technology available for us to connect but the other side of the coin is that it also feels a little lonely in the world out there these days, right? I mean, people have more means to communicate with each other, 
but it seems that they are getting less engaged into real and meaningful and authentic conversations. You know, like that, that sort of relevant and critical ingredient of communities. So how, how, do we, how do we go about that? How do we, you know, really create communities that are meaningful and where people can be genuine and authentic and, and get value and bring value to those communities? Yeah, I mean, I think having a, a purpose or an outcome for your community is really critical. And so, you know, last year, a lot of words that come to mind for me or outcomes, if you will, you know, it's support, it's empathy, it's awareness, patience, understanding, it's all these attributes that I think um, have, have allowed people to step into the ring and to answer a question, to be vulnerable. I mean, I think if you're going to really be engaged in a community, you have to come in and be willing to open up um, with questions that you have, not feel worried about having every single answer. And for the first time ever, last year with the pandemic, all of us, particularly in HR, were at exactly the same space. There's no blueprint, nobody knows how to handle this. We all had the same vulnerability. And so I think it accelerated our, our capability to allow community, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and, and in fact, I'm going to be vulnerable here with my next question. You know, one of the things that I struggle the most with is I am driven, you know, very powerfully to build a community. But on the other hand, the question that I have not been able to resolve yet, uh, and, and, you know, it keeps me awake all the time is, how do I build a community that is not a, you know, it doesn't become into a tribalism kind of thing, you know, where, but instead it becomes a real place where people come and nobody's judgy and nobody's critical and nobody's like, you know, a, a mean spirited, but instead they come and they say, hey, Bianca is asking this question. I don't care if she knows or not. I'm going to make sure that if, I'm if I am providing an answer, it's because I want to lift her up and vice versa when I have a question and you're coming in to add the value to the community. So how, how do we build that space where people feel that they can truly be authentic without you know, all this negativity as a comeback via judgment or criticism and, and whatnot? Wow, I mean, that's a fantastic question. I think, um, I think it is really about the culture of your community, just like building a culture at your workplace or maybe, maybe even the culture in your family, right? We all have a, we have a culture in the way that we uh, eat dinner together, a culture of our friendships. We have all these guiding principles and values that we align with in all the different communities that, that are part of who make us us. Yeah. And just like a workforce culture, your community really needs to have a culture. I think um, ERGs, uh, employee uh, resource groups, these are groups that I think we can learn a lot from yeah. because they generally have an identity and a culture that is a huge driver for how they meet up, how they discuss and how they share sort of the rules of the road. So I think culture is key. And I think ERGs are um, a critical learning space for all of us who want to um, either own and drive communities or be a part of a community as a member. Yeah, absolutely. And now, now I, wa I want to bring this concept of communities because, you know, what we've been chatting about may sound to some people like, you know, it's something that happens outside of work, but in reality, you can build communities inside of your, uh, you know, your work uh, sort of place, you know, your organization. So why is this concept of communities so critical for the success of an organization? I mean, you know, internal workplace communities are so important. I think with not even just COVID, but with the ability for organizations to feel uh, empathy, to feel yeah. 
like this personalization that employees matter, every single one matters. This has driven a lot of um, you know, sub-communities within your organization. And so whether it's a health and wellness community, or maybe you're a survivor, maybe you had a traumatic uh, situation occur, you survived cancer, you know, you have organizations that are creating a space that employees, people that went through work and cancer can come together and share that meaningful experience. So inside the walls of our workplace, there, there are already so many sub-communities. And so I think what we're finally doing is tapping in to say, wait a minute, you know, let's really discover what we have here and do what we can to support those channels to be as successful as possible, whether it's women in leadership, whether it's veterans, whether, you know, it's the survivors, whether it's young talent, um, whether it's, you name it, any single community period that you can think of, um, disabled workers, you know, anything. Actually, that's an area that I like to start focusing on myself because a lot of organizations are just starting to focus on the, the disabled population within their walls. Every bit of these sub-communities, every time a person feels like they have a space that they belong, that's such a positive impact for your business in so many ways. Absolutely. That's the, that's the belonging piece of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, oh, yeah. right? It is not just, not just feeling that you actually belong to the organization, but having communities that truly make it, make it uh, operational, if we can use that word, right? That make it real in the organization. For HR leaders or HR practitioners that are trying to architect a culture where communities emerge, not just as, a, as, a, as an organizational mandate, but they emerge more naturally, more organically. How can those HR leaders architect that kind of culture? What do they need to keep in mind to architect that kind of culture? This is actually a really hard question. It reminds me, of, you know how you know how in organizations we have we have our formal work charts and yeah. we have like the people on the list that we're supposed to call and like work doesn't actually get done like that, right? Yeah. There are yeah. certain people in the organization that are extremely critical, that are the sort of advocates, the linchpins that bring everything together together in the network that allows success in organizations. I think it's it's a little bit similar in this um, in this community building within your organization, which makes it hard for HR because you cannot just write a program or a policy about it, right? Yeah. It does have to naturally grow. And so I think what we can do is we can equip leaders who see this talent, see people naturally step up to have a voice, to want to lead, um, to want to contribute. Leaders need to no notice that. Yeah. Notice that positive characteristic and either know the channel that they can point that talent towards to you know, really double down on that energy and passion um, or, you know, support that person if maybe there's a channel that hasn't, doesn't exist in the company yet. See it, notice it, support it, and, and figure out how to wrap around them so they can unleash that, you know, that potential. Um, so it's not the easiest answer, but I do think leaders need to see it as a positive characteristic that they can see, just like we know how to spot, spot good talent. Same kind of idea. I, and I love that because it's, a, again, you know, you are describing a process that is very organic to you know, in the way communities emerge, it's not something that you are mandating as an organization, you know, let's create all these ERGs or all these communities. Uh, but it is more as in, if you see that some trends are emerging and some people are getting together, then you provide your guidance, your support for those communities to not only emerge, but to be successful, because if they are successful, most likely you are even driving higher engagement, more belonging to the organization, and hopefully even more creativity and innovation. 
hundred percent. I was um, I was speaking to um, some of our early sales sales academies. These are you know early career um, folks who've joined us, and we're so thankful to have them, and they're so excited. And one of the um, women in the group said she's she said where you know if I'm a I'm a female you know early talent in sales, where can I go? What community exists for me? And I thought, wow, you know. I work at SAP. I don't know. I said, you know, obviously we've got mentoring, definitely have that in spades. We've got all these um, uh, access paths to, to the leadership, but you're looking for a really specific community, like yeah. young, early talent like you. I said, I don't know that that exists that I'm aware of. I said, why don't you, why don't you start it? Yeah. And she followed up afterwards and she's like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. What do I do? Right. And so that's how we can lean in and help these communities form because they have to be natural and organic. They have to come from a source of, of truly the person's desire to yeah. connect. You yeah. can't manufacture that. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's fueled with passion, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a, that's why sometimes, you know, even when it comes to collaboration, uh, one thing that kind of like, you know, pisses me off a little bit is when you, when we want to like somehow rule or legislate or police how collaboration works. And, and then I tell HR people or HR leaders, find the ways to architect a culture where this can emerge more naturally. Yes, sometimes you need to bring people more intentionally, but try to provide the avenues and the strategies and the resources that are needed for collaboration to happen because it happens naturally. That's, that's the default state in a human. It's not the opposite, right? And the same thing with communities. Our, sure. def our, our default state is getting together with other people that share some interests and some values and not doing so is, you know, the, the counter intuitive, counter natural way of doing things. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we're starting to see some signals internally of, um, you know, support for communities in ways that we didn't really see before, you know, you're seeing CEOs step up with messaging, you're seeing leaders write these letters, you're seeing all this space for safe dialogue. And I think, Architecting that culture yeah. means that you have to have a culture that allows for um, open dialogue. They have to have a space where people can feel free to be who they are. We talked about that for years, right? Bring your whole self to work. I've said that more times than I can count, but have we really done it? Have we really lived it? And I think last year, you know, some of the events that occurred, the ways that we stood up as organizations and started to contribute and change the discussion really starts to pivot, right? It does start to lay that foundation for a culture of care. Yeah. So um, it takes time, I think, and it needs to be very authentic. Yeah. You know if you have this culture or not, right? You know if the signals are authentic or manufactured because of course the CEO needs to send a letter, right? Yeah. Those are not, that That doesn't create the successful culture that you need. It has to be really real. Um, yeah, so. Uh, absolutely. Um, Bianca, as we wrap up this conversation, I, I want to ask you one, one last question, very related, by the way, with what you just said. If for those HR leaders, uh, you know, professionals listening to our podcast, and they are looking to architect a culture or to improve a culture where these communities emerge naturally and they are successful for them, for the community itself, but also for the organization, if there was a a place to begin this journey, like step number one in the playbook, if there was a playbook, what would that step be? What would that first step of the journey be? Oh, um, and I love that I've never heard these questions before because I really have to be authentic with you, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 
first low-hanging fruit thing to go do is to really celebrate the communities that you do have internally, just like anything that you're going to do, whether you're reinforcing, uh, you know, with a great compensation strategy or reinforcing with, you know, an incentive for a salesperson, you know, rewards are in place for a reason. And so go with what you know. We know how to reward people. We do that all the time. That's, what, that's one of our skill sets. So how can we create a reward culture around the communities that we have to inspire further success, reinforce that behavior. A lot of times we forget to acknowledge those communities, right? They're kind of volunteer and they're kind of over here and they probably don't have any budget or maybe they've got a little bit last year because there was more pressure, but it's time to stop, pause, celebrate, uplift them, and then ride that momentum wave, right? Start taking the time to take a moment, write them a letter, write them a letter from the president, right? From within your organization, have them literally call them on the phone, those leaders of those communities and say, thanks for the work that you do. You know, put it in the newsletter that the company sends to every employee. You know, have them come and do a two minute video about their community work and play it at your all hands, at the beginning of your company all hands. There's so many little tiny things you can do to celebrate. I, I, I love that. And it's, it's kind of bringing this, this idea that sometimes may seem unrelated to work within the work you know, sort of a structure, you know, rewards and 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 a recognition to the people that are taking the time, uh, you know, from their work to do something like this. So that's fascinating. So Bianca, thank you so much for sharing. Well, first of all, for your passion about communities. I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, very thrilled to find people that share a passion like I, like I have for communities. And of course, thank you for sharing the insights and the ideas on how to make this idea of community successful at work. So thank you so much for being with me in the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Appreciate thank you. you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.